lunch and Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Mmm, sounds good. Hello and welcome to Uncle Mo's Family Feedback, where we look through seasons 1 to 12 of The Simpsons through random episode generation. We look through all the creamy highs, terrifying lows, and the dizzying middles. Um, I've, of course, joined by... Um, well, um, we've got a back, folks. The pilot went so well, we've went and had a commission our own damn series. We're joined by uh, Ms. Sash Steele. How are we doing, Sash? Hi, Taylor. Thanks for having me back. It's good to be here. Yeah, I'm pretty good, thank you. All right. And uh, the episode we're reviewing today is Season 5, Episode 6, with Marge on the Lamb here, directed by Mark Kirtland, written by Bill Canterbury, with the original air date being November the 4th, 1993. And the couch gag is the family just burst through the wall of their own couch. Sash, do you have any initial memories of this episode or any fun moments? I'd actually completely forgotten about this episode until I watched it again. Uh, I really sort of probably should go and do a bit of a rewatch of The Simpsons, to be honest, to refresh my memory. But it was a good episode. I enjoyed watching it. I um, had forgotten a lot of the plot, so it was kind of nice to watch it as I was watching it for the first time. Um and yeah, no standout first memories of watching it, but I enjoyed this rewatch quite a lot. All right, great. I will say, um, if you haven't guessed already, folks, for people who have watched the episode, it's a very good parody of um, Thelma and Louise, the big Ridley Scott film here. I think they do a cracking job here. And I suppose on your side of um, arts and sketching and design, Sash, that especially towards the later... Um, the later part of the episode with the shading and everything going into the early morning. I really like that. Mark Kirkland, I think, did a bang-up job here. Yeah, I really, I was going to say, I really like the animation in this episode. Um, definitely a step up from the last one we watched, though that wasn't without its charm. Um, yeah, really nice use of colour palettes and stuff. We don't really often get a lot of episodes kind of set at night, I don't think. So it's quite nice to see that different side of Springfield. And as you say, the animation team brought it to life quite well. We kick off the episode with the family watching a telethon. And the fellow here with the slow delivery and the really dry voice here, um, he's from my little research of other Simpsons podcasts, is Garrison Keeler. Now, for the British audiences, um, he's like a Radio 4 type, very sort of droll, very talking about um, old poetry and how that shaped the English language and that. And... I was not having any of it. He's wanting the TV to be more funny. And I've seen that gif a load of times, especially when it's linked to, you know, bad sitcoms. Like, um, oh, it's Mrs. Brown's Boys. Then it'll cut to home and go, be more funny and slapping the TV. Oh, that's such a good line. And it's highly applicable to many things, I think. It's one of those Simpsons quotes that you can just sort of drop into uh, a lot of situations in real life, which I think is the merit of a lot of Simpsons quotes, really. They're just so, you know so transferable got a lot of reuse value but yeah that that, that genuinely made me laugh that's when you were for a good episode and the fella throws over to troy mcclaw you know i mean me and calv talked about it before in a previous episode but phil hartman he was for the early seasons the glue that held it together he was the sort of ongoing special guest here and we get him twice with troy mcclaw and lionel hutz and i'm guessing from you sash that he's got to be one of the top characters yeah, 100%. I love him. Um, all the little references, the sort of shout-outs and parodies and stuff that uh, he quotes are good. 
Sounds yeah, he references that with your help and your funding, we can, you know, recast shows like Edward the Professor, which is, you know, again, we're talking about facetiousness and Simpsons predicting things, but, you know, it's a costumed medieval drama. Again, are they predicting Game of Thrones or is this just me being <laughs> incredibly facetious and sarcastic? <laughs> Sorry doesn't cut it with this Pope. But yeah, they actually get a call. This surprises Troy McClure. What the hell? Oh, there's an actual call. And Marge seems to be the, what, second only donor pledging $30, but she gets rewarded for a charity with some um, ballet tickets. And this really excites Homer for some reason. And Marge even herself is confused, but he enjoys all the meats of the cultural stew. And I've seen this memed on so many Simpsons Facebook pages. It's just a little car rolling around in the circus arena and Homer's like a pig in shit. He loves it. I tried to look this up to see if it was a reference to something and I couldn't find anything. I think it's just completely surreal and random. It's like, I love it. It's great. It's just like, oh yeah, of course, somehow in his little brain, Homer's got the concept of ballet mixed up with this idea of a bear in a fez riding a bicycle or a car or whatever it is. And it's just like random and great. I also love when he comes out of the um, scene in his mind and he's still singing the little the little ditty and Marge is just staring at him deadpan for like a good like 30 seconds. It's just so well paced. Yeah, they're showing the realism of, um, well, cutaway in, in a monologues and sitcoms. What actually happens to the person they were previously talking to? Do they just look at them like they're mental or can they see their vision? But no, Marge looks petrified. <laughs> yep, but like who is this person? She should be used to it by now, to be honest. But there's a knock at the door and Ruth Powers is there from, um, I guess, a season or so ago when her and her daughter moved in. She's looking to use a power sander, which actually belongs to Flanders, but she's able to use it. Homer ends up going to work. It's the next day now and he's not happy. He's confessing to his friends. He's confessing to Lenny and Carl that, you know, he has to see the ballet and it shows you the kind of company that Homer keeps where Lenny also thinks it's the bear in the little car as well. <laughs> yep, that made me laugh. I was going to say, you got that weird shout out to uh, Crystal Pepsi coming up next, or Crystal Coke or something. That was yes, the whole thing. Yes, that is. You're absolutely correct. Um, I believe it was a big thing in the early 90s, just clear um, cola. Everyone's trying to kick it off. It, I believe it was successful to an extent for a short run, then they closed it. But then it got populated again by all these um, food review YouTubers buying very old um, Crystal Pepsis. And you can imagine what happened when they took it. It won't be that graphic, you know, because I'm trying to be PG here. I'm trying to, you know, eventually monetize this. But yeah, it wasn't a good result all over the tables and that. But that actually was able to kickstart a very short run of modern Crystal Pepsi. Homer actually hasn't got money for this... Um, new little cola, so he decides to stick it to the man, and he goes very elastico here, Sash. I know there's suspension of disbelief, but you see the shaft of the um, vending machine, and he just slinks up there, past the already um, deceased Made arm. Made me feel a bit squeamish, to be honest. Did it? But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, what are these, what are these uh, people of Springfield made out of? That radiation must be really doing a number on them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I never thought of that, yeah, exactly. He's able to grab the can, but he's stuck. He's lodged in there. Um, yeah, what's a man to do? But Lenny and Carl are absolutely no help. This is a little hidden gem, actually. I forgot about this. He's done for. Let's get out of here. Ah! <laughs> 
and just to run away. That made me laugh as well. Again, it's the little mob mentality. It's the very selfishness of um, the Springfield citizens itself. They're not even willing to help their own friend. They don't want to be accessories to the crime. But uh, Homer is still very determined to take um, Marge to the ballet. You know, he's not... Um, I will say Homer isn't horrible in this episode. He's justified and he does make an effort to try and go to the ballet. Obviously, he gets the jealousy. He gets the green-eyed monster later with Marge's new relationship with Ruth. But... I'd say he's reasonably fair. Like, he does make the efforts go and he does have a genuine excuse. Yeah, but let's be honest. If someone called you up and said, I'm trapped between two vending machines, would you believe them? Although, to be fair, I kind of feel like that exactly that is exactly the kind of thing that Homer would do. So, you know. I oh, know, Marge does give the good reaction of just slumping back and, yeah, of course it is, Homer. Two vending machines. So she has no one to go to the ballet with but you know Ruth Powers comes back knocks on the door returning the power tool you know um, she got wiped out of the power tools when her ex-husband took her love for mankind and her youth and that I feel you know what Ruth Powers uh, I'll say it now underrated character I really enjoyed her in this episode I know um, you're very much part of the sisterhood sash and it was fun to see Ruth turn Marge not bad but to have a give a bit of a wild side a bit of an edge and that what do you think of Ruth Powers uh getting fully fleshed out in this episode yeah absolutely underrated character it's a shame that she's not in more episodes to be honest she only has like two other appearances doesn't she I know she's in the background a couple of times but yeah I'd really love to have seen her come back but again the Simpsons um tendency to just stick to the status quo kind of means that she disappears after this but I really enjoyed her. She's kind of a nice um, foil to Marge's more, uh, I say, I guess, goody-goody sort of temperament. She's very much just a bit more wild, a bit more brash, a bit more cynical, and brings outside of Marge that we don't get to see often, which is really cool. It creates a nice contrast. Yeah, absolutely. They end up going to the ballet, you know, you'd think it's in a nice theatre, but, you know, it's Springfield, you know, it's the high school gym. They end by spectacularly breaking the basketball court. Yeah, they give it the old leaping Jordan shot. <laughs> I, I like that, and they kept the glass in after the smash, so they're just delicately bowing after their great performance whilst trying to avoid the glass as well. But they end up leaving, they had a fun time in that, and again, this is foreshadowing for later when Marge... Um, takes a little go on the wild side through Ruth's influence saying, oh, it's 9.30. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we better turn in. <laughs> oh, no, you were serious. <laughs> yep, good, uh, good line. And, you know, I've been that person before who's uh, somehow fallen into a friendship with a much cooler friend. And I'm like, oh, what, what do I do? You know, how do I, how do I act? How do I sort of maintain this cool friendship that I've fallen into? So, yeah, totally relate to Marge a bit here. And they don't go home straight away. They go um, for some coffee, and Ruth actually envies Marge. I will say um, I do like Marge's uh, return to this. Oh, right, thanks. Why? Because she's never really had a compliment about Homer or the fact she's married to him ever. I mean, you know, all we see really of their relationship from the people is Patty and Selma, who are obviously quite critical. So, yeah, I guess uh, going from that to this must be quite a refreshing change. But Ruth is just, you know, fed up with men. She's went through a divorce and that. Her husband, all he did was eat, sleep and drink beer. You know, your point being, says Marge. And previous to that, um, 
I mean, back at the power plant, when it reveals that Homer's actually holding on to the can, he replies, your point being. So they very much affected each other through many years of uh, marriage. I think that was quite cute. Well, you were unlucky, but there are a lot of good men out there. Hey, can I throw up in your bathroom? I'll buy something. Oh, yeah. Before that, we have the um, amazing line where the guy is about to saw Homer's arm off and he says in this like really childlike voice, but they'll grow back, right? And the guy just looks at him like he's completely insane. He <laughs> goes, um, <laughs> yeah, sure. And Homer's like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> Absolutely laugh out loud moment at the episode for me. Really funny. Just what's super well delivered. Marge gets home and Homer saying, oh, you know, oh, you don't believe me, but here's a note. Mrs. Simpson, when we were saving your husband, whole lumberyard burnt down. So, you know, he was correct. He was, he does find an excuse, but this doesn't matter to Marge, you know. She enjoyed her time with Ruth so much that they're going out again tomorrow night. And Homer, he's not having any of it. He's very jealous. He doesn't want to see Marge get lost in with another friend. And I guess it's a good time to bring it up now, um, Sash. As good as the scene was with her trying to make friends and Homer comes in with the skunk and the no fat chicks t-shirts. Oh, he's doing it again and they all run away. <laughs> um, Marge, why doesn't she have friends? Yeah, I guess Homer is not the best um, person for first impressions. You know, inviting people down and then... Homer comes in with some ridiculous antics. I do feel a bit sorry for Marge, to be honest with you. She is very much the long-suffering housewife trope. Well, the thing is, the reality of this situation is, through seasons and seasons, what sort of close friends Marge have? Ruth Powers, yes, but in very sporadic episode. Maud Flanders is very much um, well devoted to her own family. That Helen Lovejoy um, is very spiteful of her and makes little mean comment to that. And I've looked, I've done, again, my research through old interviews and that. And um, Sam Simon, who's, in my opinion, one of the best um, parts of the Simpsons crew. He's the main writer. He helped bring in all these great writers. He um, went through a divorce before actually starting on The Simpsons. And he made it clear that, you know, you don't really need female writers in the writer's room. And also... Um, uh, episode we critiqued before, Tense the Menace, written by e. Max Stone Graham. There's, he's gone on record in saying, you know, did we didn't really need women's writers. I'm not sure we still do now. Again, this is back in 2000, 2001. But it shows you the very, well, I'll just go out and say it, somewhat misogynistic uh, tones that the writers' room back then still had. Hopefully it's changed now, but I'd like your opinion on this, Sash, please, because I know you're a outright advocate for... LGBT and feminist rights and equality. So I'd like your opinion, please, on this um, lack of female talent in the writers' room. Yeah, I think it definitely shows. There's just... You just need that voice for the authenticity, you know? Of course you do. There's just little bits that... An echo chamber of people of the same gender and, you know, race and sexuality and et cetera, et cetera, just wouldn't pick up on. And, yeah, maybe we did have more female writers in 
um, The Simpsons, there would be a lot less storylines where Marge and Lisa sort of get the short end of the stick. I know I get an essay a while back about all the times that Lisa's kind of especially thrown under the bus for the sake of a punchline or whatever, and it happens quite disproportionately, I think, to the women of the show. And it's just, you know, typical sitcom tropes, but is it does grate on you a little bit. Once you see it, you can't really unsee it. So that representation is important, for sure. Marge gets glammed up and Homer's, you know, a bit nervous, a bit apprehensive, but, you know, Marge is, um, she's sporting a different style here. Obviously, in games, you get different sort of sprites and that and idol animations and costumes and that, but I'm liking what Marge's going for. She's going, you know, a little bit of sass with the lipstick, but she's keeping it civil and mum-like with the over-the-shoulder cardigan. She goes to leave and Homer is saying, you know, how could you abandon your family and trying to guilt trip her? But the kids are well behind her, you know. Have a fun time, mum. Rock the Kaz bar and Homer's cursed them, you know, oh, man's best friend, how dare you. Yep, it's very much, they call it mapping, where you play out one scene like another, uh, you play out one scene, but you're really sort of lampshading another scene. Um, so obviously the kind of parallels of a sort of divorce here where, you know, Marge is running off and leaving Homer alone with the kids. It's, oh, um... yes, you're right. I didn't even think of it that way. Yeah, and obviously yeah. Um, Homer's saying, you know, oh, Marge, you know, you're spending too much time with this woman, like a concerned wife thinking about her husband going off with another woman. Yes, I like the parallel, Sash. See, that's yep. why we have you on here. That's why we have you on. <laughs> no problem. But yeah, and then we have the scene of Homer trying to call off all his friends, right? We, uh, yeah, we do. But I'll just say before that, uh, when we're going to go into the act break, again, this is foreshadowing, this pays off later. Uh, Marge is saying, you know, oh, Ruth, you look nice. And, you know, she's looking like this domineering, sassy, confident woman in her mid-30s. She's oh, it's not about nice. Tonight's about sunshine, lollipops. Oh, wait, wrong tape. <laughs> oh, such another good scene. See, this episode I really enjoy because it's just full of, like, genuinely funny laugh out loud moments on their own like you know a pl- the plot aside but yeah Marge is just just has that blank stare again like that I'm what what is going on here stare which is just like really funny she fixes it she sticks on welcome to the jungle and they speed away into the night but Homer yeah he's concerned and I like the kids um well particularly Lisa Lisa's quite um playful she realizes that you know, mum's been a bit of a hellraiser. She's sort of rebelling a bit and she's teasing Homer, you know. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. You know, women have got a right to a night out, haven't they? Lisa? Oh, yeah, sure, dad. <laughs> I like that because like you say, she gets a bit of the brunt in that. So it's nice to see Lisa win to have a bit of fun at her father's expense. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, Sash, um, as you were saying, uh, Homer wants to call up his friends. Yeah, take us um, through who's calling up. Um... Oh man, who do we get first? Uh, we get. I want to say we Mr. get. Burns, we, get Mr. Lenny. we get Lenny. We do with, get Lenny with. I want to say a concubine or something, or just a bit on the side. Yep, just a lady's legs is shaving. Perfect, you know, Saturday night in. Oh no, can do, Homer. I'm watching the game. Shave up, not down, you idiot. I won't spend too much time on this, but. Is that a kink or is he just very attentive to a woman's needs? I have no idea, you know. I guess it could be interpreted either way. But that's one of the very few insights into Lenny's life that we get, I think. I know he lives in a bowling near a bowling alley in a later season, but um yeah. Hey, says, we don't think shame here on family feedback. 
no, no, no kink shaming, just a comment. But um, yeah, just a very brief but interesting insight into Lenny's life that raises a lot of questions, really. We also get, and I guess the main memory of the call-up, so Mr Burns looking like, um, I guess, um, one of those girl magazines from the 60s playing the, with the phone cord with his finger, chocolates on the side. Yep, great little visual. What does he say? This, that sounds delish. Ooh, sounds delish. Let me just toss some jeans on and I... Wait a minute, who is this? Homer decides to just go out on his own. You know, Marge isn't the only one that can have fun. But in between that, Marge ends up going to um, shot kickers and having a little boogie, go on the mechanical bull. And she gets uh, approached by these two strapping men. Again, this is where the parallels of um, Thelma, and Lee, Thelma and Louise start to come in here, saying, you feel like getting lucky? I am lucky. I have a wonderful family and beautiful children. Thank you. Again, the naivety of um, Marge coming through here. She's still this cute, innocent mum. Yeah, this is a nice scene. See, I've never seen Thelma and Louise, so a lot of the references um, are lost on me in this episode, but um, I still enjoyed these, like, I want to call them date, tentatively call them date scenes, uh, between Marge and Ruth are still really entertaining in their own right. And they move on from that to a proper nightclub here, the hate box. And I will say the music in the background, I don't know if it's actually referencing anything, but to me it's very um, too unlimited, you know, no, 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 no. It's got that same kind of sassy beat to it. Yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. Felt like doing a bit of Yaya Koa Torre for the uh, Premier League fans out there. But yeah, um, again, you want to talk about direction and that. This is a very um, apt drawing, an apt sketch of, you know, not a seedy nightclub, but, you know, a very underground nightclub. Uh, Sash, what did you think of the design of this place and the characters you saw in there, the dancers? Are we looking at the hate box? Yes, the inside of the club. Yeah, you know, you've got the yeah. woman with the mad punk hair. The fellow to the right of Marge, who looks like some old SSX character used to go as Mac. I really like this. I feel like a lot of the background character designs and symptoms can be just a bit, um, you know, a bit vanilla sometimes. So the fact that they've kind of really gone and stretched themselves out a little bit with the character design in this particular scene is quite nice. Um, everything about it is quite fun and vibrant. I really like all the ridiculous costumes. Big fan of the Lady with the Purple Mohawk. And there's a guy who seems to have sort of a weird um, hat on his head that looks like a sort of fish tail or something. It's just all, it's all just really fun, to be honest. And Marge looks very, very much the... I like um, her dancing. It's very, it's very cute. It's like, she's not sure what, she doesn't know what to do, but she's having fun. Yeah, pretty relatable content right there. Kind of feel like Marge. <laughs> I, I've been there before, so... Howdy, this is just a reminder that if you're enjoying the content so far, loving our podcast, loving the episode, go over to facebook.com and search for Uncle Mo's Family Feedback, a British podcast, and give us a like there. We'll update you on all of our exclusive content and posts as well. Also, if you're in the mood for a bit more Simpsons and more Simpsons podcast, go over and check out the 411 folks on Facebook and SoundCloud as well. They do lots of great impressions, great analysis of the episodes, and it's generally a good time. Now back with your regularly scheduled listening. Homer's trying to find fun stuff to do. You know, he's milling around the quickie mark, looking through the magazines. And but who has to kick him out? You know, this is not a library. So where does he go? The library to eat on snacks. 
this is not a quickie mark. I love the little <laughs> quick cut to it. Perfect, perfect, Helen. Marge and Ruth get away from the nightclub and the hustle and bustle. They go out to the sticks. Ruth wants to show Marge something. A big revolver. Again, I love the framing of this. You just hear the of the revolver and you've got the back of Ruth's head in the first third. You've got the gun in the last third and then you've got Marge in the middle of the screen. Again, great yeah. framing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Marge is a bit concerned. She thinks... She's out there to kill her. No, she wouldn't turn a gun on another human being, like her ex-husband. And She takes her anger out onto the antique cans here. Marge is a bit taken back when uh, Ruth asks her to give it a go, but Marge does. Fair play to her. She's getting more confident. She's getting brazen with her new gal pal here, and she manages to make a shot. And, oh, the farmer's, yeah. not, ha- the farmer's not happy with this. <laughs> yeah, you, we they crushed his um, antique can collection. I guess this um, foreshadows the fact that Marge becomes a bit of a dab hand at guns in a later episode. I believe the Cartridge family in a much later season. Yeah, and when um, she joined the police force as well. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. kind of foreshadows that. Dan Castlenet here, voice Homer, he does little odd, odd bits of other dialogue here, but... I like this one-off character of this just old, cranky farmer. McKeans! Oh, look what you've done to him. <laughs> After that, uh, Marge decides to take him to uh, her own little spot that Homer and her used to go to. And this is where we go back to the line of, you know, oh, it's 9.30, we better turn ourselves in. Marge, bit of a change of attitude. Ruth says, let's call it a night. She goes, oh, it's only midnight. You know, I've got this place. And she takes her to the Springfield sign and Ruth is blown away. And I like how it's not just Ruth is influencing Marge for the most part. You know, Marge can show Ruth beauty and, you know, her own little hot spots and she can take appreciation in that. I like it. It's very uh, equal. It's like a proper friendship. It is a proper yeah. friendship. Yeah. Yeah. Over the course of, what, 20 minutes of an episode, they really sort of flesh these two out um, in quite a nice way. Oh, I didn't even mention, you know, Homer's out, Marge is out. Who's looking after the kids, Sash? Oh, man, this is a whole other story in itself. I feel like they could have devoted an entire um, episode to this subplot of Lionel Hutt's uh, lawyer-come-babysitter. Yeah, Phil Hartman again, back at it. So nice, they've got him in twice here. You know, he heard the Simpsons needed a babysitter. He was going to get $175, but Homer's very, um, you know, adamant. We pay $8 for the night, and you can take two popsicles out the fridge. Three, two... Okay, too. And I get to keep this old birdcage. Done. That's still got it. Yep, drives a hard bargain. Um, well negotiated or not, Lionel. But yeah, good little throw gag. Yeah, I must um, say again, I've done that. A... I must say I have done that um, where I know things aren't really going my way, so I'm going to get the smallest, tiniest wee victory I can out of this and just still got it. Like, oh, you got my name wrong, Starbucks, but I'm taking as much free little sugar packets as I can. Still got it. It's all about fighting them little battles. As um, Ruth looks out among the beautiful scene from the top of the Springfield sign, Marge notices there's a lot of smoke coming from her chimney. And this is Lionel Hutz. Um, I suppose he's just um, cutting his losses. He realises he's getting paid so little to see them. So he's burning, I guess, evidence or fraudulent claims against him and changing his name to Miguel Sanchez. Yep. That's pretty much it. That's pretty much a typical Lionel Hutz kind of thing, isn't it, really? That's about what you'd expect from him. Shady lawyer that he is. Ruth and Marge leave. 
Homer actually just misses him and he goes up and, ah, yes, there's a little flashback of Marge and Homer back at that little Springfield sign spot when they were young and just dating. And Homer, my God, if I wasn't like this when I was, what, 17, all violence, all us, you know. Oh, it's fun to smash this weather vane, Marge. <laughs> oh, you like got pretty hair. Yeah, Homer actually spots a brand new weather station to uh, beat up, but, you know, it's just not the same with Marge. And Homer's actually feeling forlorn, but Wiggum springs up out of nowhere. He has an illegal moonshine distillery, you know, playing again with a corrupt cop type. Yeah. And it explodes too, you know, just for extra ridiculousness. I will say for the rest of this episode, um, this is what I want in a Simpsons episode. You know, it has a good to decent start and then it just changes gears and it becomes funnier and funnier and funnier. And that's what uh, each episode should aim to do. Because when, um, well, pretty much from the start, when Marge leaves, it gets funnier. But then I feel when it reaches its apex... Um, is when Wiggum enters the fold, because I just love Wiggum. I don't know about you, Sash. Yeah, no, he's a great character for just ridiculous um, comic relief. You know when he enters the scene that things are going to get a bit more over the top than they already are. Chief Wiggum ends up taking Homer a ride home. You know, he's pitying him. He's all on his own out here. And he spots a car, and that car turns out to be Ruth and Marge on the way back. Um, again, Wiggum, just the incompetency, the stupid policeman trope. You know, oh, that uh, taillight's a bit smaller than the other one. I better pull him over. Ruth um, believes uh, they're coming for her stolen car. And Marge, you know, can't believe this, you know, stolen, but they speed off. And I love hearing Marge's little scream. We, I think we hear it again when she speeds off from the cafeteria, but the little... Wah! <laughs> yeah, but... She didn't expect this. She's uh, along for the ride now. And it looks like we've got ourselves an old-fashioned car chase, Sash. Yes, indeed. And what better uh, way to amp up the tension than with um, a dramatic soundtrack? Looks like we got ourselves an old-fashioned car chase. Sunshine, lollipops and... Rainbows, everything that's wonderful is what I feel when we're together. Now, I'm not a big fan of repetition of jokes, but I just think this works better because with, um, well, with Ruth, it was accidental, but with Chief Wiggum, you know, this gets his race pulse, this gets his pulse racing. I thought this was a really good callback, to be honest with you, and there's just something really... Um, endearing about how cheerful Wiggum looks when he's singing along. And then obviously Homer joins in and you get this little musical number in the middle of the episode, which is quite refreshing, to be honest, and just a good laugh, really. Yeah, it actually cheers Homer's up because he realises that this, they say a freak with a lot of blue hair, is Marge. You know, he's fallen, he's having yeah. to chase down his wife. He doesn't know what's going to happen to her now in this high-speed police chase. But, you know, when Sunshine Lollipops comes on, a bit into it, you see a little wry smile, and then just as dumb singing along and the little finger waves. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. I love that scene. Just that little bit of camaraderie between two idiots. There's also that great visual gag uh, just before that of the uh, description of Marge in Homer's mind not being quite what you'd expect. 
yeah, it's a freak with blue hair, and he sort of imagines this weird alien and then laughs, and then it's like, no, wait, that sounds like Marge. <laughs> now in a high-speed pursuit, uh, Ruth confesses to Marge that because her ex-husband stiffed her on child support, to even things up, she uh, stole his car. You know, Marge doesn't really know what to do, so she just makes a non-committal noise. You know, one of her favourite noises, the classic Marge grumble there. But, you know, Ruth's fair. You know, when this is done, uh, she'll let Marge go. But Marge, she's too trusting of the Springfield police force, you know. These are professional lawmen, but they can be easily outmaneuvered, outswerved by just flicking your back lights off. And this has Wigan for a tizzy here, you know. Oh, it disappeared! It's a ghost car! <laughs> because, of course, that's the conclusion you would jump to in that scenario. But, you know, it's Wigan, so... I love seeing this... I think Wigan just matches any sort of character to do dynamic. I really like... Um, they did a lot in season three and four... Him and Quimby just at each other's heads for who sort of runs the town. I like this dynamic with him and Homer as just these two overweight, bumbling idiots just trying to make ends meet and just trying to find the culprit here, you know. Oh, there's ghost towns all over this highway. Hold me. Only if you hold me. And then you're, <laughs> sh then you're shivering in the car. It's perfect, Ash. Yeah, it is. I absolutely agree with you. Um, I'd love to see a spin-off of Wiggum having shenanigans with various other characters because I think he's a great foil for whoever he's with. They managed to evade... Well, it wasn't that hard, but they managed to evade Wiggum and Homer and they pull up outside of a cafe and Ruth reminisces about the fun couple of nights they've had despite all the madness. So um, she lets Marge go into the cafeteria and Marge is about to make a phone call to home when uh, we get to see all the other Thelma and Louise archetype. In the film, Thelma and Louise, you know, Susan Sarandon, Gina Davis, they are from the South, but it's very much played down their normal accents. But my God, do they ramp it up inside the cafeteria here with each of the um, each other highway sisters there um, saying, you know, oh, if there's one thing decent folk do, it's stick together, and you know, I love the friendship me and you have. It's just the build-up of jokes, if you know, this cross-country flight would be hell if it didn't stick together. You know, sticking together is what good people do. And then, you know, I hate when the waffles stick together. Sticking together is what good waffles do. <laughs> in a very literal that. sense. But in the meantime, you know, they need to stock up um, Wiggum and Homer, you know. They need to, you know, get their energy up. So what do they have? Fried eggs on a fucking engine. And I used to think, obviously, a lot younger when watching it, you know, that, um, oh, that looks good. But then I realise, wait, there's no tinfoil. He's cooking it on an old, oily engine. They, yeah, they taste, I was going to say, they taste a bit oily. They taste less than stellar, to be honest. Yeah. And the fact it's made even more, somebody goes, if we can keep these down... Like, they're just going to come back up. We can keep these down, we'll be sitting pretty. Already anticipating that that's like, not going to be the best meal they've ever had, to put no. it lightly. Marge and Ruth's um, sort of rebellion reaches local news with Kent Brockman here, saying that they're now on a big fugitive chase. And again, back to Lisa being, you know, playful and aspiring. She's really proud of her mum, casting off the shackles of the male oppressors, finally. But, you know, Bart's like... Shut up. I know, but I don't want to hear it, please. <laughs> and just before that, we get a great line from Ken Buckman. Um, what is it? At the risk of editorialising, these, these women, women are, are guilty. guilty and must be dealt with in a harsh and brutal fashion. 
which is, you know, typical Kent Brockman, unbiased journalist. But yeah, Lisa's little quip there is great as well. It's very Piers Morgan type that, you know, oh, at the risk of putting my own opinion across, here is my own opinion. And that these, yeah, yeah. oh, how dare these, you know, free thinking women actually sort of rebel against the system in a way. And he realises that, like, oh, fuck, I'll uh, try and rationalise it. It cuts to the kids, like, did he actually say that on live telly? And then he just has to, oh, it's in Revelations, people! Like, drastically <laughs> trying to rationalise it so they cut to, oh, technical difficulties, you know, this fellow's just fucked it. At the risk of editorialising, these women are guilty and must be dealt with in a harsh and brutal fashion. Otherwise, their behaviour could incite other women, leading to anarchy of biblical proportions. It's in Revelations, people! They nearly see the state line do Ruth and Marge, you know. They're going to make it, but then in the, fo- in the uh, background and on the horizon, you just see swamp after swamp of cop car. And I'll go back to the art direction here, Sash. This is where they really ramp up. This is where the episode... Um, I mean, it's just brilliant. You just get to see them all merge into one. You've got the rise and sun. It's got to be, what, six in the morning now, and it's just the uh, dusk of it all. Yeah, the pink sky. To be honest with you, um, watching the cars appear over the hill, I've kind of got in mind that um, this is probably an intentional on their part, but the scene in Lord of the Rings, the Battle of Helm's Deep, where Gandalf um, leads the backup army to, you know, to the crest of the hill and looking down. Uh, that was kind. Of, that was kind of what immediately leapt to my mind. But uh, I really like how this is uh, framed and put together. Marge actually makes the decision for Ruth. Ruth is actually going to give up. But you know this new attitude from Marge. You know, Ruth. That's a lot of hooey. It's not over till it's over, and she steers the car straight to the grand chasm. But again, Marge goes back to a normal attitude of, "Oh, I'm sorry. I should have asked. <laughs> I don't know what came <laughs> over me." Classic Marge. But yeah, it's nice to see Ruth having a little bit of influence on her and sort of feeding back in. And showing that they both kind of gained quite significant character growth from this friendship of theirs. They don't realise they're going into the Grand Chasm, so Homer has to scramble and grab a megaphone and try and calm down Marge, saying, you know, I'm sorry for all these mistakes I've made. I'm sorry I used wedding dress to buff the car, making gravy in the bathtub. Well, I'm sorry for the whole marriage at this point. And this gets Marge right in the feels, right in the heart, saying, oh, I am lucky to have him, you know. He is moronic and that, but he does care, he's there every night when I come back in is I, I wouldn't say it's as sweet as the Duffless ending you and me uh reviewed Sash, but what do you think of Homer's little trying to make up here, trying to calm her down? Yeah, it's very much, you know, Homer Marge. You kinda of get the sense of these two people who've been married for a long time and lived a lot together and just sort of hearing hearing the other person's voice sort of brings them back down to earth and reminds them of all the stuff that they've been through together and everything. And, you know, I think there's a lot of instances of Homer being a bit of a jerk, but this is actually quite a sweet moment. Again, I'd agree, it's not as sweet as the ending as um, the previous episode that we watched, but it's still pretty heartfelt. It's still pretty classic, you know, Homer and Marge romantic cuteness. Ruth and Marge realise that it's the grand chasm, so they slam the brakes on. But oh no, Wiggum and Homer don't believe to... They don't think to slam the brakes on. And they come careening off of the chasm there, which is pretty much shot by shot the end of uh, Thelma and Louise. I believe that's been parodied God knows how many times. But they don't actually reach the end. They don't go to meet their maker, do Wiggum and Homer. No, it's um, it's in a landfill with Sash here. 
Yeah. And, you know, to think those environmentalists were complaining about that place. And we reached the end of the episode where, um, now I don't know if you're familiar with um, sort of cop procedural shows, um, Sash, but this is a direct parody of um, Dragnet, which was a big American cop show back in the 60s. It's very, um, it's a very sort of detective base and that, and everyone will know the sort of theme. I think it's more popularized through The Simpsons that da, 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 they've used it in a couple of episodes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I didn't. I, I mean, I, I assumed it was a reference to something, but the exact the particularities of it were lost on me. So it's pretty neat to sort of put that back in its context. And the narrator of Dragnet is the fellow they get in at the end that says, you know, Ruth Powers had to pay this municipal court damage. That's actually got him at like age 80 to come in and record those lines. So sticking with the parody, I can I can definitely appreciate that. Yeah, commitment to the uh, pastiche. The story you are about to see is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. Ruth Powers was tried in Springfield Superior Court. The judge dismissed her ex-husband's auto theft charges and forced him to pay all back child support. Mr. Powers blamed the outcome on his lawyer, one Lionel Hutz. Lionel Hutz, a.k.a. Miguel Sanchez, a.k.a. Dr. Nguyen Van Falk, was paid $8 for his 32 hours of babysitting. He was glad to get it. Marge Simpson was charged with a violation of Penal Code Section 618A, wanton destruction of precious antique cans. She was ordered to pay 50 cents to replace the cans and $2,000 in punitive damages and mental anguish. Homer Simpson was remanded to the custody of the United States Army Neurochemical Research Center at Fort Meade, Maryland for extensive testing. And with that, we end the episode. So, Sash, after all of that, after all these um, you know, high pursuits and sisterhood of the leather jacket, not quite traveling pants, you know, because Ruth Powers is a <laughs> sassy girl here. How do you, what do you think of this episode on the whole now? Uh, how do you rate it? I super enjoyed this one. It was good to see a character who we don't see very often, someone outside of the Simpsons family bubble, being brought in to freshen things up a little bit. Good bit of character development for Marge, some good moments for all the characters. Bit of Lionel Hutz, which is always fun. Bit of Wiggum, which is always fun. Um, And yeah, just a really tightly scripted episode of a lot of references. A lot of things that even if you haven't seen the originals are still funny in their own right. Excellent use of um, sunshine and lollipops. Lots of laugh out loud moments and some good quotes. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Out of five or whatever, I guess, your individual ranking system, how would you rank this episode? Well, I guess since it features Ruth Powers, uh, I'd have to give it a power level of over 9,000. It's a pretty solid episode. Is that... <laughs> All right, I'll just say this. We're going to dip behind the curtain a bit here, folks. Not only is Sash a massive fan of puns, which I'm not going to lie, it's a bit, it can be tiresome if you actually see her in person, but she's also <laughs> a massive Dragon Ball Z fan, so she's went and um, vindicated herself here. You know, the Simpsons aren't the only people who can reference lots of other shows. For myself, uh, I forgot how good this was, not even just from the parody aspect of Thelma and Louise, but 
seeing Marge with this new character dynamic, seeing her change, even if it is just for an episode, seeing her change and grow more confident. And then the buffoonery with Wiggum and uh, Homer, as well as the tiny plot of Miguel Sanchez here, Lionel Hutz. Uh, I've got to go with, oh, let me think. You know, solid four out of five. But what of, let's say, four out of five uh, sunshine on lollipops. I think that's a fair rating. If you can, like uh, Uncle Mo's Family Feedback Podcast on Facebook. Also on SoundCloud, the same Uncle Mo's Family Feedback Podcast here. Uh, Sash, please plug away and uh, promote your business. Do what you want to do, hun. Um, I guess you can find me at... Uh, find me on most of my... Yeah, sorry, let me start that again. Um, you can find me on Twitter at HeySash. That's H-E-Y-Y-S-A-S-H. That's where I hang out most of the time, post most of my artwork, most of my RPG business such and things like that. Um, so, yeah, check me out. Now, you just, um, I believe you worked on a comic book with a mutual friend of yours or whatsoever. So please uh, tell us about that and how can people uh, support that? Oh yeah, so I got a comic, illustrated a comic recently, it's called Pink Beat. It's just a, a little romance comic, a um, little way for me to sort of test my uh, boundaries and create a short story and work in a medium I've wanted to work in for a while. A friend of mine wrote the script, um, and yeah, that is also linked to my Twitter, uh, so check it out there. It's on the pinned post, so it's super easy to find. Now is the eagerly anticipated part of the show where we get our next episode through random episode generation. So let's have a pull of that lever and see what happens. Okay, and we've got season three's Rancho Relaxo coming up next, folks. Okay, and we will see you again shortly, folks. Take care now. Come to Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Mmm, sounds good.